Welcome to Leading from Alignment, a weekly podcast from Converge Coaching, where our passion is to help you lead better, lead longer, and enjoy it more. Hello again, and welcome to another episode of Leading from Alignment with our good friend, coach, mentor, slash tour mentor, John Opaluski. Good morning, John. How are you? Hey, Jim. It's good. Good to be with you this morning. Good. And we have a guest today. Would you like to introduce our guest? Yes, we do. We have a very special guest with us today. Pastor Chris Brooks, the lead pastor at Woodside Bible Church, is our special guest today. I've known Chris, uh, I would say, probably about a year and a half, two years, yeah. and uh, just been impressed with his, uh, his leadership, his, uh, just who he is as a person, and gotten to know him a little bit better over the last year and a half, and thought it would be such a blessing to those who are listening to this podcast to hear from from Chris today. So Chris, thank you. Welcome to the podcast. Well, John and Jim, it's great to be with you guys. I appreciate the work that you're doing uh, to help to strengthen leaders, in particular, uh, those who are helping to uh, lead in the church. And, uh, well, Chris, we, the, the first thing we like to do is kind of just get to know people. Uh, you know, sure. I'm sure and you know, you're well known to, to many, but uh, unknown to others. And because the yeah. Podcast is in Montana and, you know, all sorts of distant, far-flung lands. Tell us about yourself as far as like your conversion and your call to ministry, especially. I think that's something we can all connect to. How'd you, how'd you meet Jesus and, and uh, how did Jesus communicate to you that you're going to be serving him in this way? Well, I'm a third generation preacher, so I, I got it honest. Uh, <laughs> my grandfather was a, uh, a preacher and uh, my father, um, I remember growing up with my dad. He was more of an itinerant. And I remember him uh, taking uh, me and my siblings to uh, various churches and conferences as he uh, preached the gospel. He was much more of a fire and brimstone type of guy and uh, never looked to be re-invited back. Uh, his thing was, <laughs> let, me, let me preach with boldness. And uh, these are one-time invitations. But he was super passionate about the gospel, so much so uh, he passed away in 2001, but I remember towards the tail end of his life, uh, he was dealing with various illnesses and was pretty weak. But when, he, when um, he would start talking about the word, he would sit up erect. He would uh, walk the floor, pace the floor, give me one of those personal sermons. And then uh, after he finished preaching the word, he would sit down and kind of lose his energy again. Uh, there was a grace that was on his life for that. and. Uh, uh, in the midst of all of that, just fell in love with the word myself around 13. So I, I kind of grew up, guys. Uh, I never remember a time where I was hostile to the gospel, mm. but I certainly remember a time where uh, it became my personal decision to follow Jesus. And it was at the age of 13. Um, God blessed me to be at a, a great church that was preaching and proclaiming the gospel. And uh, at about 13 years old, I remember uh, we were on a Walt Disney trip and uh, my brother and I were sleeping on a pullout couch uh, after a day at Disney World and the gospel just all came together for me. So I got on the side of that pullout couch bed to bow my head to pray. And my older brother said, what are you doing? And I shared the gospel with him. So he's technically my first convert he, you know, with me and we accepted Jesus that night. Wow. I love it. And then, and then the call to ministry, you're 13 years old and all of a sudden the light yeah. comes on, but there's a lot of time between 13 years old and yeah, yeah. 
you know, actually being prepared for ministry. Tell us about that. Yeah, you know, along the way, like most of us, you know, I had uh, men of God who saw things in me before I saw them in myself and uh, gave opportunities to, um, you know, speaking youth days and, and uh, participate in ministry. But I think it was when I got to Michigan State University, when I got to, to college, that uh, I really had to come to grips with what is your calling? What is my calling in life? You know, it's around that time where most young adults are thinking about career and where do I want to end up? And for me, it was pretty clear I wanted to end up somehow preaching God's word. And uh, it started with a little Bible study at Michigan State University. It was literally me and another buddy. He was the only Christian I knew. And we did a Bible study one week where it was the two of us, but we left his dorm room open. That was about as, as bold as we were. Uh, at that time, just leave the door open. Well, the next week, about five people joined us. The following week, it was up to 11. Uh, after about a month, there were about 90 people meeting in the lobby wow. of that dormitory having a Bible study. And I think, um, you know, that God's grace was kind of confirmed there. And I left Michigan State and decided to go to seminary at Biola University and uh, grateful there along the way, also studied at uh, what's now Moody Theological Seminary in Michigan. At the time, it was Michigan Theological Seminary. So grateful for the journey. Uh, that's, that's amazing. I, you know, I, was, I was in the military, so that I'm the only believer that I know in the yeah. dorm, you know, in the barracks. I, I, I guess the difference is I never opened the door. So I, I'm, I'm grateful <laughs> for your boldness. <laughs> we were probably too afraid to talk to people, actually witness to people out of fear of rejection. But we said, right. we leave our door open, Let's see what God might do. <laughs> so, Chris, you uh, you said something as you were sharing uh, your story that that there were people who saw things yeah. in you before you did, yeah. and and I I think uh, I think that being a leader, there's a lot of that in, involved in being a leader. That that God has yes. given uh, given us a responsibility almost to see potential, to see greatness. And, yes. and others and call that out of them. Can, could you speak to that? Yeah, I, I like to think of it this way, John, that, you know, we're all given the opportunity to loan somebody our faith in them until mm. they're able to see uh, God's grace at work in their lives. And, uh, you know, I remember a youth pastor of mine uh, dropping me off from youth uh, ministry one night. We had a youth meeting and he drops me off. My parents are at the door and he says to my mom and dad, you know, your son has a real call on his life. I really believe God is going to use him. And, you know, I, I didn't see any of that stuff in myself. Mm -hmm. But I think back to hearing his words. And, uh, man, that matched with the hunger that was growing in me. It just, um, he, he, in many ways, he uh, lent me his faith mm -hmm. uh, in me while I was still growing and being able to see God's grace in my life, you know. And yeah. so uh, we see it all throughout Scripture. and. Uh, I'm grateful that uh, I've had men who are like Paul with me and Timothy. Yeah. And, and I think Jim would say the same thing. And I'll, I'll say the same yeah. thing that there were people who early on saw something in me that actually surprised me that like they saw leadership in me. They saw the ability yeah. to teach that I didn't know I possessed. And I'm so grateful for those, those 
older folks, you know, and they weren't that much older yes. than me, but that called that out of me. So thank you for that. I appreciate your perspective on that, Chris. It's funny because, you know, you've got, you've got school teachers, you know, if language is your gift, you're not allowed to use it in school. So all the other authoritative figures said, stop talking, stop talking, stop talking. But then yeah. they say some youth pastors, hey, would you talk? You're like, I, I, you know, that call out of you, which you've been trying to suppress yeah. because yeah. you got you spanked when you got home, you know, with that note. You thing. know, it's so funny you, know? you bring that up because that's the story of my life. <laughs> you know, they used to give those, uh, those uh, conduct scores. So, you know, you get your yeah. grade and then one to five on behavior, right? One being good and five being bad. And I was one of those kids, got good grades, but it was all fives on the oh. other side. And, and uh, when my mom went to parent-teacher conference, mom or dad, it was always, he talks too much in class. Who knew yeah. that that was my calling? I wish I would have known then. I could have told him. Hey, I, I had the privilege. <laughs> I had the privilege of running into my junior high school vice principal 30 years later. And uh, led his son to the Lord and, and future daughter-in-law, and they had a couple of kids. And so the, the, the wedding rehearsal night in walks, we used to be a seven-foot-tall man. Now he's 5'4". I had no idea. He was seven <laughs> feet tall when I was a kid. He's 5'4", and I recognized him. And, and all those years later, he said, do I know you? And I said, yes, sir. And I used to say, sir, when I was in trouble in his office. He said, he said do I know you? I said, yes, sir. He said, we can't. I said, yes. <laughs> he said what, what are you doing here? I said, I'm, I'm the pastor. He said, no, seriously, what are you doing here? <laughs> uh, awesome. he recognized the gift he just didn't know it, it didn't fit into the mold it didn't yeah. fit into the pattern until, we, we have to mature into our gifts i mean yes, all of us whatever the gift is you have to grow and, and mature into it yeah so chris what was it like uh to take on the lead pastor role at woodside you've been there a, about a year and a half now as the lead pastor i think is that yeah, well, actually, uh, coming up Christmas Eve would be my two-year anniversary of okay. the first official worship service All right. uh, that I came in. Uh, but yeah, as a lead pastor, it was May 2019. Mm. Uh, in many ways, John, this year it's felt like a mulligan. So uh, <laughs> I don't know if this is uh, a year that adds on to my seniority or not. Um, it kind of feels like the lost year. Um, but in many ways, I, I could not be more grateful for the church family here. You know, one of the special things about Woodside, they're known for their love for the Bible. They're known for their love for uh, keeping lighthouses open and caring for churches and pastors. But what I was blessed by is the spirit of welcome and hospitality here. Um, my, you, you guys know bringing uh, your family to a new ministry is not without its own risk. My biggest concern coming was not, uh, was it the right decision for me pastorally, but would it be the right decision for my wife and my children? And what has been awesome is how we've been befriended, um, the love and the support that we've received. Um, you know, ministry is hard, even on the good yeah. days, but what makes it uh, enjoyable is when you're really um, leading a group of people who are passionate about the right things, uh, Jesus and, and loving one another well. Did you, did you feel like, um, you know, Captain Kirk just retired and I'm taking the Enterprise? Did that, yeah. did that have that sort of, like, was it intimidating to come in? Sometimes when you, when you come behind someone who's had a long tenure and, and a measure of success, you're kind of the guy after the guy. And you feel like you're a, oh, a substitute teacher or a stepdad for a season. Did you, did, did they all have a plan for that? Or did you ever feel yeah. that? Well, you know, what's interesting about my ministry uh, story, Jim, is that this is the second time. 
that I took over for a long tenure pastor at uh, the first church that I pastored. Uh, the pastor had been there for 36 years. Right. And uh, I, I took over and uh, was able to pastor there for 20 years and was grateful for that. Uh, so coming here, it wasn't a new experience for me to uh, step into the role that um, a great leader had filled. But you're exactly right. I mean, it is certainly daunting. Uh, even with the best support, uh, there are days where you say, Lord, can I measure up to the task? I like to think of it this way, guys. It's, it's like um, if Doug Schmidt, who is my predecessor, was in the weight room, bench pressing 500 pounds, you know, he kind of built up to that. Started at 150 pounds, put on some plates, maybe got up to 200, you know. But then you come in to the weight room, and they just pass that 500-pound uh, weight over to you and say, hey, now start lifting this. Yeah. You certainly need some spotters so you can grow into it. And, yeah. uh, you know, again, I've been blessed to be surrounded by uh, a strong team that right. really has made up for my weaknesses and given me uh, the opportunity to grow into the role. I, I followed somebody that planted the church 33 years prior to me arriving, at, and he was 72 and I was 29. There so, you go. Huge differences. Yeah. And uh, I, I remember I had been here 10 years and I was talking to somebody at the bank. They said, oh, you're the new pastor at the church. I said, 10 years later, I'm still the new pastor <laughs> at the church. I don't, I don't know when this changes, but uh, That's right. yeah. Huh. So you, you came to Woodside with, with a fresh set of eyes. And I think that's something, yes. there's, there's an advantage to raising up sons and then turning it over to them. But there's also an advantage to someone who sure. comes with a fresh set of eyes and just, just looks at assets and liabilities and resources and reputations and, and makes some decisions. What was that like to come into Woodside with that fresh set of eyes? And, and what did you see? Yeah, well, I, I think a couple of things come to uh, mind. Number one is the fact that you need to have your ecclesiology pretty clear, your view or theology on the church. And, you know, I see the church, Jim, as a family. Yeah. And, uh, and I start from that premise that my job is to get to know the church family, to see what God is doing here, not to come in with some uh, uh, big aggressive agenda that is disconnected from the unique uh, kind of move of God among his people here at Woodside. So uh, the first thing I want to do is just get to chance to see the world through their eyes and and hopefully they can see the world through my eyes as well and and kind of see what God is doing I, I would say the second thing is you know I'm the type of guy who before you tear down a fence you need to find out who built it first and why <laughs> was it built you know yeah. I don't think you just come in and just start tearing uh, fences down uh, because there may be a very good reason why that fence was built and uh, even if you don't agree with it you need to respect why it's there as you try to uh, change things. But one of the first things that I did, guys, is I wanted to visit as many members as possible in their homes. Mm. And as I did that, what I discovered is that just about every member has some section of their home or some uh, place on their walls where they have murals to their children and grandchildren. Mm. You know, the, the place, we all have it in our houses where we have pictures of the kids and uh, the grandkids and they mean so much to us. And as I would ask for prayer requests, what do you want me to be praying for? Inevitably, it led back to that. And right. so it was pretty clear for me that part of the reason why God sent me here is to make sure that Woodside was a church to not only reach the present generation, mm -hmm. but where people could see their children and grandchildren 
and that generation coming to Christ. And so that's been uh, part of my message and my driving passion. Yeah, that makes change easier when there's a reason. Yes. Yeah. If change is necessary, you find the greatest, the greatest why to create the new what in, in yeah. children and grandchildren. Uh, yeah. Wisdom. And, you know, Chris, as you were talking about your approach, it, it just reminded me uh, how often when a new leader comes into a, comes into a church, that temptation to want to do away with the past, to uh, yes. make your mark, uh, to, to make a, a splash, so to speak. And, cre- and, and so often I see a creation of unnecessarily, unnecessary turbulence. Yeah, could have been yeah. avoided, and so I I just wanted to push up on that because I I feel like as a as a, I, w- I I was 29 years old when I became a lead mm-hmm. pastor, which I think is awful young uh, to do that, and I felt this need to make a splash and make my mark early, and I I created problems for myself that I could have totally avoided had I been patient and did what you did. Yeah. Just get to know people. So I, I wanted to reinforce that thought, Chris. Well, you know, uh, change is hard in, in whenever you do it. So even for those who are patient, it certainly is not easy. But you're exactly right. I, I think part of what I am sympathetic for, for the 29-year-old guys like you two were, and mm. you know, I was young too when I started pastoring, is that there is an innate pressure that comes from the people you lead. I think mm. people are wired to... And I can't tell you how many people, uh, even here at Woodside, the first meeting I'm with them, uh, the question they ask is, so what's your vision? Uh, And there's an inherent pressure in that question that I have to think of something that is, you know, innovative and groundbreaking. And uh, sometimes you feel ashamed to say, well, my vision is to get to know you. You know, <laughs> to find out where the bathrooms are located, you know, uh, just to just to get a chance to be a part of the church family. But, um, I, I, you know, I will say this, that uh, one of the um, uh, thoughts that I've adopted over the years is that leaders often underestimate what they can do in a decade and overestimate what mm-hmm. they can do in a year. Good work. You yeah, know, so we good. we think that. You know, man, we, if, if, you know, if I could just nail this next year, we're going to set the world on fire. When really, if it's a 10-year kind of uh, runway, you can pace yourself. And what I hope is that for our church, that the next decade is one that honors God and many people come to know Christ. Right on. Right on. I love that. Well, our, our time is, uh, is evaporating on us. It's funny how quickly a, a good conversation makes time fly but uh, we are so grateful. I, there's so many nuggets in the last 15, 20 minutes that mm-hmm. are just your, your wisdom is, is redemptive and we're grateful for that. And uh, John, I, I know that, um, you know, this season is being, uh, we're, we're in this new year. There's things happening. Um, this is encouraging, but sometimes people need a little bit more than, than just encouragement. Sometimes they need direction, affirmation, ministry, right. help. If, if someone was listening today and said, that's great for Chris, but I'm in the middle of a transition from hell i i you know i'm i'm lost i'm stuck i'm thinking about change and they wanted to talk to somebody about how would they how would they get a hold of you best way to do that is just go to our website convergecoach.com and click on the contact us uh, link and that will uh, start a conversation with us 
Chris, um, I was wondering if you would hang around for another uh, episode with us. Uh, we have more questions that we'd like to get to uh, with you, if that's okay. Absolutely. Great. All right, well, Jim, we'll wrap next up, week. Jim. Yeah, until next week, uh, we're praying for you. God bless you. We're here for you. The body of Christ is uh, growing and it needs strong, healthy leaders. So however we can assist you in your journey towards that, uh, count us in. God bless you. And we are, we are on your team as you continue to lead from alignment.